0: Father, as we enter this time of worship in your word, we are just so convinced there is no other name than Jesus Christ in whom we can count upon for each and every day of our life through the good times, through the hard times. Jesus is always there for those who count on him, for those who call upon his name. And so now as we look at James chapter one, would your Holy Spirit Dig deeply into our hearts and allow us to see your glory, Father, the, the majesty of Christ and experience the power of the Holy Spirit today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Are, are you all doing well? Yeah, not too bad. I see a lot of, a lot of yeses there. That's great. Um, we are here today because we want to worship our awesome God, and, and we're in a new series uh, in the book of James, and last week, if you are with us online, uh, I gave a little bit of a brief, uh, very quick uh, run through the whole book of James to give us a little understanding of where we would go, and hopefully uh, you saw it, if you didn't. Great, just go back and uh, have, a, have a look at that. And uh, for those who are online, we give you a warm welcome as well. Glad you're with us. Don't forget to tell a friend and have them join you online as we worship God. Now, if you've got your Bibles, at least get them ready to look at James chapter 1. We want to be there. Um, We're looking at James, and let me just give you a speed run through what I did last week. One is just saying, James is uh, giving us uh, a greeting. James uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 giving us a typical, conventional greeting. Uh, He is uh, a very simple writer, yet powerful, because the Spirit of God is moving him. Uh, He gives us modest introduction. Now, he could have said, I'm the church leader in uh, Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't say that. All he said, James. And and I love how he moves uh, into a, a place where he says, I am... In verse 2, or in verse uh, 1, pardon me, uh, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a simple introduction of who James sees himself. Of course, you know servant is that uh, in the original language, the term doulos, and basically saying, I belong to Jesus. Is that how you feel about your walk with, with the Lord, your faith in Christ, that you belong to him and everything that you have belongs to Jesus. All that you are belongs to Jesus because that's who James felt he was. He, He calls him the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He designates uh, him as Jesus, the savior. That's what it means. Christ uh, in the uh, Hebrew and Greek, Messiah, anointed one, the one called by God to come and make a way possible for us to have hope. That's who he is, the Christ and Lord, the one who is the savior, the everlasting sovereign Christ. But here's where it gets interesting. He, he starts to talk about his recipients to the 12 tribes uh, of the dispersion, in the dispersion. Now, what is that all about? Well, you know, that's a, a word that uh, dispersion is a, an, a, a word that's come into English uh, that really talks about those who've been scattered. So if we could think about when this book was written, which we said was probably the first epistle, the first book written of all the New Testament books we realized very quickly after Jesus ascended that the church this new and young church scattered they had to go the persecution was rising and so they went throughout all of the known world particularly into the roman provinces and so here we discover that they are scattered this can you imagine the pressure that these People who got this epistle might have been feeling. Can you imagine uh, the stresses of their lives having to go, one, at a distance away from their homes and their families, all that they knew, all that they uh, were experiencing, the jobs that they had? That had to be pressurized. That had to bring some agony. And secondly, not only that, that to live out their lives fully uh, declaring that they are followers of Jesus... Now there's pressure in a world that didn't know anything about him, or if they did, were violently against who Jesus was and stood for. The pressures must have been huge. How about you? Today, many years later, how are the pressures in your life? You feeling them? We all have them, don't we? If we don't have pressures, man, I want to talk to you. Pressures are real. They are the weighty points in our lives. And so, James today wants to talk to us about the pressures, the strains, the stresses, the testings in our lives. And so, with a simple greeting, greetings, hello, he says, he begins by saying a most shocking thing. Look at verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers, sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, I could stop right there and go, are you serious, James? Is this is this what you want to tell me? You know where we are. We're scattered. We're under pressure. We've lost all that we have, and now we have all this, this pressure for who we are in Christ, and you want to say, count it all joy. It goes on in verse 3, says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Pressures of life come at us from all kinds of directions. Um, They they add on top of each other. Not to mention living a faith out, a full-blown life faith in Christ Uh, In a world that has a totally different view of who Jesus is. Reading this past week how so many still believe that Jesus was a myth. Uh, The historical evidence, the archaeological evidence, all so clear that Jesus lived, was crucified and rose again. Yet the world wants to say, no, I don't believe that. That's pressure to live your life out for Christ When you're opposed like that. How do you handle it? How are you handling your pressures? How are you dealing with, how are you managing the pressures in the time in which we live? And, you know, add to this very interesting time we live. How do you manage the pressures of your life? It it caused me to think a little bit of uh, NASA and the space shuttle Do you remember the space shuttle program? It was fascinating. The space shuttle program uh, was a a program designed to have a reusable rocket. Look at that picture. Isn't that a marvelous looking vehicle? Just a fantastic engineering feat. But more importantly than the look of this vehicle, if we had a close-up look, we could see the space shuttle thermal protection system. And that's a fancy word for the tiles. All the tiles that were put on the space shuttle. By the way, I just read this morning, you know the name Roberta Bondar? Roberta Bondar. This is the 30th anniversary this week of Roberta Bondar, the very first Canadian woman to go into space. How appropriate to be talking about NASA and the space shuttle. But what's interesting about these tiles is they put these tiles under enormous stress. Tremendous heat and other stresses. And they did that for a few years before they even sent that shuttle up for the very first time. Why did they do that? Because they knew that those astronauts lives depended upon those tiles not to fail. Because when they entered into the earth's atmosphere, the heat would be so dramatic that if that nose cone especially didn't handle the stress of the heat, they would all perish. The purpose of the test was not to destroy the tiles, but to prove their worth. Think about that. They took the time and the effort to prove the worth of the tiles as they would enter the atmosphere. The question that you and I often ask, and I'm sure you've asked it when trials and tests come along, is the big question of why? Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this difficulty? What is God's purpose in this test, this trial in my life? And then maybe the second question, will I get through it? Will I make it? Are you feeling like you're going through some trials right now? Some tests? Do you, are you getting to the point where you might ask, am I going to make it? It's tough. It's hard. It's heavy. Let's not forget, God's purpose for trials in our lives are multiple. But like that space shuttle tile that kept the, the astronauts safe as they came back into this atmosphere. Our trials are designed to get us through life, the little portions and the big portions of difficult times in our life. I just wanted to mention a couple reasons I thought very personally why trials come along. One is that I think they confirm the truth to me about myself. Trials confirm, prove the truth to me about myself that one, I I may think I'm a little stronger than I really am. Sometimes I think I'm just uh, a guy can handle anything. Right, Kath? Teflon. Kathy used to call me the Teflon guy because everything just slipped off. And maybe you fell that way too. I can handle everything. Or maybe to prove to myself that I can't handle everything and I need someone greater than myself in my life. That person is Christ. That is God and the Holy Spirit of God. In my life, because I need God. And so that's the second part of it to to confirm the truth to me about God is that I need Him. Do you need Him? Because I'm convinced I need Him. And when the storms of life hit, God's promises that He will never leave me nor forsake me dig deeply and root deeply in my heart. And I realize. If he's with me, I can get through this trial. No matter if it's a moment or two plus years, whatever. God with me, I can get through it. And so James says, verse two, count it all joy. Count it, not just joy, all joy. He's talking about complete, all-encompassing joy. He's giving us The the encouragement to change our perspective, to have the right mindset, to have an attitude that speaks confidently that in the midst of a trial, whatever it may be, God is with us. I was reading this past week uh, a biography of John Calvin. And John Calvin may be a f- familiar name to many of you. John Calvin was a uh, a part of the Protestant Revolution in the 1500s, along with uh, Martin Luther. Uh, and John Calvin's life is fascinating. Uh, he was a, a, a priest in the, in the Catholic Church, a lawyer, uh, and then became a man who finally realized that the only way to be sure of his relationship with God, our relationship with God, is to have faith in Christ alone. Not in anything we do, but it was all because of Christ. And he wrote volumes and volumes and volumes. But during that time, the persecution of the church of Christ, the true church of Christ, was going, getting hotter and hotter. Literally, they were burning Christians At the stake, and even worse, they were putting them on ropes and roasting them in the fires, putting them in the fire, pulling them out. Pure evil. What a time of testing, isn't it? That was a time of trial, fiery trial. But yet, James, who was experiencing and would experience, even to the point of death himself, James became a martyr, said, Count it all joy when you come under trials and testings. And as a Christian brother, James is our brother in Christ, teaches us the hard truth of life, that each one of us will experience many different trials in our lives. First things first, let's get it clear. Trials, if you haven't had one, you'll get one somewhere in your life. And that's just the truth. Uh, but also along with that, that trials and testings are a part of our lives as followers of Christ because they play an important part in the development of our maturing in our Christian walk and in our Christian life. Whether the testing is centered around our um, health, our wealth, our relationships, or directly aimed at our faith, test is always the same. The test is this. this. Will we trust and put God first in the midst of the challenge, that test? And we've got some great examples in the the scriptures, right? From Genesis to uh, Revelation of trials that uh, faith followers of God experience. Abraham, for example. Remember Abraham? He'd been praying for a son. God had promised him a child that would be a part of a family dynasty that would be greater than the sands of the earth. And the son comes along, and not too far after the son comes along, Isaac, God has said to him in Genesis 22, go and take your son and put him on an offering fire and give him back to me. Crazy. What was God doing? God would never have taken his son back that way. All he was doing was saying, I want to test your faith. I want to test you, Abraham. Will you trust me with the most important thing in your life? And isn't that true of all of us? What's the most important thing in your life today that you you would never, ever want to lose? Would you be willing to give it up if God said, it's time to give that up, give it back to me? Would we, we be willing to do that? Because you know, it's one thing to say, I love God above every earthly treasure. And then another one to prove that in the hour of testing. To give God the thing that you most treasure. Maybe that thing you most tre- treasure is yourself. Where you don't give God everything, you give him a little piece of yourself But not everything. Are we willing to surrender all? You've heard that song. I I surrender all to Jesus, all to Jesus. Would you be willing to surrender all? More than just sing it, but do it. Would you be ready and willing to do that today? God calling upon you to give up something that you've been holding on to with white knuckled grip in your life. Because that is something we can count it all joy if we pass that test. And by the way, God doesn't give us a test that he doesn't think we can pass or that he doesn't give us all that we need to pass the test. I really hated tests in high school. Did you? I hated them. Oh, just hated the stress testing came and I just sweat and I, I, I'd studied somewhat um, and then i tried try to deliver but I, the mind just go blank. But when it comes to our faith, the mind will not go blank because God will give us all we need to pass the fiery trial. So Abraham was tested. Joseph, his, he was tested. Remember the Old Testament? In uh, Genesis 39, Joseph was tested with Purity. Here is the great ruler of uh, his household, Potiphar, and uh, Potiphar's wife had design on Joseph, and Joseph's purity was put to test, and he passed. He said no to that and said yes to God. Not only uh, uh, Joseph, but how about Job? That's one of the toughest books to read, really, isn't it? Because here is Job, a guy that had shown to God he loved him and he was going to serve him, and God allowed Satan to test Job. Because he said, if you take everything away from Job, he will curse your name. But guess what Job said when everything was taken? His wife, his children, his livestock, all his, his funds, all those things that were, would be the most important to him. He said in Job chapter 1 verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you imagine? Everything is gone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then let's not forget our Lord Jesus Christ. In that desert experience, and and in Matthew 4, you can read all about the temptations of Christ and the devil himself is trying to take Jesus off mission. And Jesus says, no, my father in heaven, I will trust him. And it even says a little bit about that in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse 15. I love what it says there. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every respect. So if you don't think Jesus understands, get that out of your mind. He was tempted in every, Every respect, the same way we have to deal with trials and testings. He's able to help us, He is able to walk with us through these trials because He's been there and He's done that. So, with the facts centered squarely in our understanding that we will be tested, then the most important and pertinent question for us. Each of us today, must be, how should I manage the testings that I'm called upon to deal with? What should my attitude be? I think this morning, if I can get a couple things across to you that I think got impressed upon my heart, is that we really need to have, and we are called upon to have, big-picture Thinking to have a big faith attitude. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what trials or testings you may be experiencing, let's get that big faith attitude that we're gonna trust God. We know that he will walk us through whatever that trial is. Let's also note this, James is calling us to have this joyful attitude in the midst of painful experiences, tough times. It's so a count it all joy. That's, that's not just, you know, oh, okay, don't mind this trial. This is thank you, God, for this trial. I don't know what you're doing, but thank you. And I rejoice in what you're doing because we've got some great examples of rejoicing in these trials, in these testings that come into our lives we have uh, a, a, a true example in Peter. 1 Peter 4.12, 13, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. Peter's talking the same language as James. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad, that you also may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter's say, say, saying the same thing. Another Peter example in Acts 5, uh, verse 40. And when they had called, uh, had, they had called in the apostles, because they were preaching the word of God, uh, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. What were they doing? They'd just been beaten. When they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They left rejoicing. That's showing joy. That's showing exuberance that they were counted worthy to be beaten for Christ's sake, for his name's sake. And of course, you remember what Jesus said, Luke 6, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Okay, this is getting silly. <laughs> Do you get it? It's exuberant joy. When we have the right perspective, when we see things from God's perspective, we can say, I rejoice in what God is allowing me to go through. I don't have to like it, but God's at work and he's doing something in my life. Because for your, behold, your reward is great in heaven. And so their fathers did to the prophets. Trials and testings come with rewards. We may not see it here, but our rewards are in heaven. And that's so much better because it's eternal. It's forever and ever. So whether our testing is related to a physical ailment or a spiritual battle, our attitude should always be one of rejoicing. Okay, I know this is tough, but it's, it comes as we get tested a little here, a little more here, and then a big one here or a big one there. We get these, Trials and testings. But what should be the result of the trials and testings that come into our lives? Look at verse 4. Got your Bibles? Look at verse 4. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. What is that effect? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Oh, I like that. Lack perfect and complete. There's a guy on, on a show called Shark Tank." He calls himself "Mr. Perfect." Sorry, buddy, you're not perfect. None of us are. But one day, those of us who are in Christ will be perfect, will be absolutely complete, or uh, all our lives will end up being like Christ in eternity, and that will be a great, great day. Because testing brings about such great advantage. It produces steadfastness. What does that mean? Some of your Bibles might say it produces patience. Or uh, really, we put it together to get a full word uh, understanding, patient endurance. As we go under trials and testing, we develop patient endurance. And it it really does demonstrate the genuineness of your faith. You know, when they harden steel, of course, they heat it up and heat it up, and then they put it into water, and they heat it up and they heat it up, and all of a sudden the steel becomes so very hard. You know, when you go under trials and testing, it's like gold. You know, when you put gold under intense heat, it melts and all the impurities rise to the top, and they take that away. That's what trials and testings, show us. I was looking at also Paul. Remember Paul talked about the thorn in his side. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven, he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Now, Paul was being very honest. He recognized that what he was receiving and being able to write about were amazing things that come from God. And he didn't want to get conceited about that. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh. We really don't know what that is. Absolutely, it's uh, not certain. There's a few things that we... might think it is, but a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Oh, it's okay to pray about the trial or testing that it would go away. Paul's showing us that very clearly here. But it didn't leave him and may not leave us. But he said this, this is what we need to take away. My grace is sufficient for you. God is telling him his grace is sufficient for my power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Does that not encourage you today that whatever testing you go through, that God's power, his grace is sufficient to take you through that testing, that fire? Because he says this at the end, very end of that section, for for when I am weak, then I'm strong. It's in his weakness that he was feeling the power of God, the strength of God. What should be the result of trials and testings that come? That we lean heavily into God and recognize that God's grace is sufficient and that we're developing patient endurance. Endurance. Is that the way you feel about your trials and deaths, or, or, or today, maybe we're learning something new that will help us in the days ahead. Romans, Paul says in Romans 5 as well, Romans 5, 3 and 4, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Again, Paul is saying the same thing, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Same word, patient endurance. Patient, um, steadfastness as he says in James. And endurance produces character. And character produces so I I I've had my dad years and years ago when I was a kid saying, oh, that'll just produce character in you. When I was up to do difficult things, oh I'll produce character. I just want to bop him in the nose. I don't want to be character. I want the easy things. Character is so important. I want to let you know this that the endurance that Paul, James, Peter are calling us to demonstrate is an inward fortitude of faith that breeds a quiet and trusting patience in the sovereign plan of God for my life. Wish we could get that on the screen for you. It's great, so I'm gonna read it for you again. The endurance that Paul, James, and Peter are calling us to demonstrate is an inward fortitude of faith that breeds a quiet and trusting patience in the sovereign plan of God for my life. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God in your life? Does God have a big picture plan for your life? Let me answer that for you right now. Yes, he does. And the fiery trials and tests that we go through are a part of that because they produce Patient endurance and they produce character. Oh, that character word. And Christian character is that which we uh, are called upon to develop, it's a basic foundation of who we are. And as we develop Christian character, we, we come to realize very quickly that God is in no hurry to get us to that end result of perfection. He uses our entire lives to build Christian character. Did you know and do you believe, as I have come to believe, that God is more interested in our character than in our comfort? God is more interested in your character than you being comfortable in life. That's a hard one to to take because we like being comfortable, don't we? <clears throat> Too often we think because we read our Bibles, we go to church on Sunday, we, uh, uh, we worship through offerings, giving of our finances that God has blessed us with. We think we should be comfortable then because we've done this for God. But God wants to make us more like Jesus, which requires sacrifice, denial of self, and discipline, and that place is not comfort, comfortable. I've discovered, and maybe you have too, that the comfort zone we often experience is usually not the most fertile ground for growth in Christ. Comfort zones aren't the best grounds for growing in Jesus. It's in the hot places of life, the challenges of life, the stressors of life. I love what the great... Christian writer C.S. Lewis said, he said, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. Have you experienced that? Going through some of the most challenging times in your life and you're trusting God and guess what? You feel the peace of God. It passes all understanding. And people look at you and they go, how can you manage this very difficult time in your life? And you just say, Good God is with me. He loves me. He's got a plan for my life. What God is going to do in our lives, he will do in his own time. I like getting things done. You know that. Let's get it done yesterday. That's me. But God says it's not about when it gets done. It's that it's getting done. A little piece at a time. And I'm building in you patient endurance and Christian character. called upon to be patient. Uh, King David wrote it so eloquently. He said, I wait patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Psalm 40, verse one. Also another Psalm of David, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In other words, settle into him and what he's doing. Patience is the hallowed ground of trusting God and knowing he has a plan for you. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We go through some things because we need to deal with some stuff between us and God. And sometimes that's just the case. So, as we kind of come to a conclusion, who would have thought that trials, testings, bring out an advantage, an outcome with an advantage? Would you ever have thought that that's the purpose of trials and testing? Verse 4, James chapter 1, and let steadfastness, patient endurance, have its full effect that you may perfect Complete, lacking in nothing. I love those words. Perfect, complete, lacking. Uh, In some uh, versions, it would be mature. It says mature in your version. Uh, When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, this is the same word, the same root word, to be mature, says something that is done. And that's what God wants us to be uh, looking forward to, a time when it is finished, that we will be mature and fully complete, whole in Christ. Perfectly developed, fully developed in every part. And so when we face trials with the right perspective, uh, they can be faced with joy because infused with faith, perseverance results. And if perseverance goes full term, it will develop you and I as thoroughly mature Christians, followers of Jesus, who lack nothing. So, next time you or myself are going through a trial, count it all joy. Just meditate on that this week. Meditate on that remember the space shuttle that the testing of those pieces of equipment meant that that shuttle completed its mission. We each have a mission for God and the trials and the testings we go through help us along the way to the completion of the mission that God has given each one of us. Let's never forget, trials are always those preparatory moments that come before our eternal entry into our perfect, prepared, and eternal home. That's coming, folks. Does that not excite you? excites me. Remember, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's what we look forward to. And while we're going through this life and the trials uh, and the testing, the great times, the hard times, we look forward to that day when we will be mature, perfect, complete with him in that wonderful place in glory that he's prepared for each one of us. So let's remember, count it all joys, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that The testing of your faith produces steadfastness and lets steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Father, I humbly come before you right now and thank you for the awesome privilege of being able to have shared from your word the truth that Trials and tests can come and we can still have joy in the midst of them because you are using them to change us, to transform us every little bit more into the image of Christ, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for James and Peter and Paul and all the writers of the scriptures who've proven over and over again that we can put our lives in your hands And I pray for those who might be here today or watching online that have not yet trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have not asked forgiveness for their sins and and asked Jesus to be their Savior. I pray that they would, because without Christ, there's no way you can count trials in a joyful manner. It's just too much. But in Christ, we we sure can. We can count it all joys. We can count it all joy. So thank you, Lord, for this time together. May we let this message from James sink in deeply. May it change our lives today. May we not be the same people that we were as we entered this room and before we contemplated this, as we leave this room and begin a fresh week of serving you and of living our lives for you. Help us, we pray, because your grace is sufficient. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.